All right, episode 61. We are here. We are live. Everyone's feeling good. Emily Griffith, Little Bucks, Nikki Hardick, Knack PR. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. I'm glad we're here. Emily, give it to us. Talk to us about, I was going to say, talk to us a little bit about Little Bucks. Let's get into it. Give us the story. A little quick story is I'm the founder of Little Bucks. We make crunchy snacks and toppings out of sprouted buckwheat seeds. So we have them in different flavors like cinnamon, cacao, matcha. We have our cluster bucks, which are adaptogenic buckwheat clusters. So a little snack infusing buckwheat seeds with um, different adaptogens like reishi and ashwagandha. Um, and yeah, the whole thing started when I used to live in Australia and found sprouted buckwheat seeds were really popular there and was obsessed with them so much that I had to bring them back to the U.S. I like that. Now, what year was that and how did you go about sort of making that transition and bringing it here, bringing the idea and, and getting, then getting it started? Yeah, so um, it really honestly just started out as an innocent obsession when I was living over there in 2016 and 2017. So when I had sprouted buckwheat seeds for the first time on an acai bowl in Australia, I became obsessed, started like buying it from grocery stores, noticing it in restaurants there. So it wasn't really a business idea at first until I was getting ready to move back to the U.S. at the end of 2017 and like eat these every day, like in my oatmeal and smoothies and salads and toasts, like you name it. So I'm like, where am I going to get my sprouted buckwheat? And that's when I realized, of course, no brands in the U.S. were really focused on this. And there's really great soil health benefits as well as the human health benefits to buckwheat. So I'm like, hello, where's the brand for this? And being someone who's a graphic designer and I was working at a marketing agency in Sydney, like I thought, how hard could it be to, you know, build an entire natural food brand? <laughs> um, so, yeah, I moved back to Chicago was already designing kind of like the packaging, like that stuff's the fun and easy part for me. Not easy, but, you know, comes naturally. And then really had a lot of catching up to do with the ops and finance and like what licenses do you need to legally produce food in a safe environment. So I took classes at the Hatchery in Chicago, which is a nonprofit um, food, nonprofit in Chicago, helping businesses. And I mean, really just started from there, like, how to start a food business 101 and then just meeting other entrepreneurs in the space and Let, let's get right into first production um how did you go about either having a co-packer or finding a, a commercial kitchen um, what did that look like and was it still by yourself and how did you get it from uh, what i like to call a concept to commerce what, what did that first iteration look like gosh yeah so i did not come from the cpg industry and only had about five years experience at ad agencies. So I really didn't know what I was doing. I went the route of uh, producing it myself in a shared kitchen space. So I got the license to be a shared kitchen user in Chicago, which was a pain. And then, <laughs> um, yeah, I was freelancing full time during the day, bootstrapping little bucks. And then at night I would go to the shared kitchen and make little bucks in the shared dehydrator. Um, which actually early on did not work out because the first time we made a batch in the shared kitchen dehydrator, of course, it's in a shared kitchen. So other people have used it. 
even though it's cleaned. Our first batch of, it was our cacao buckwheat seeds, um, was infused. The dehydrator apparently had previously had smoked salmon in it. So there mm. was a smoked salmon taste nice. infused into our chocolate buckwheat, nice. which did not, it was like two days before our biggest festival, the Taste of Randolph in Chicago. So that was fun. Um, so there was definitely some learning curves there grown into buying my own dehydrator and then about a year later we had whole foods in interested the whole foods midwest region so at that point i'm like i cannot be making this at nights and selling it at farmers markets on the weekends so uh i worked with the hatchery and some other entrepreneurs i met in the space to eventually scale up and find manufacturing and then kind of took a similar path with our snack line we were making it in a kitchen in the hatchery for a while until just the nature of how we make our products with dehydration, you need like very large space because dehydration just takes time. So it's not like we can just crank out batches like cookies or granola. Uh, so yeah, now we've just scaled that up to manufacturing as well. Let's then get into the first products that were actually viable for retail. Um, when was that exactly? And how did you get that distribution? Yeah, so I mean, the first year, so I launched in April of 2018 at a fitness festival in Chicago, literally just in craft brown bags with stickers on it, didn't even have the flavor label. So people, I, I thought, I was like, well, can't people just see the seeds and know whether they're chocolate or not? Like, how that's obviously not how this works. But um, so there was a learning curve there. But yeah, we were only in like five local shops for the first nine months of business distributing direct just like Chicago health foods local juice bars stuff like that and then that's kind of when we were getting feedback most of our business was coming from farmers markets and um fitness festivals so that's when we're like getting the feedback and being like okay we need to put this into some real bags with like barcodes get this in a distribution we started working with a smaller distributor pod foods which started in sf and then made its way to Chicago as its second city, the second city. And um, so yeah, that helped us get into some more local, like small chains. And then eventually, once we got our deal with Whole Foods Midwest region, we went straight into the region. Uh, obviously, then we started working with UNFI. And now we're onboarding with Kehi. So getting into the big leagues with them. Very cool. I like the um, I like that you touched on farmers market. So you started this out really like grassroots. You were doing that for a while, getting feedback. You transition into understanding that packaging will need to be in line. You know, you do need UPCs. You need your, your nutritionals. Things need to be viable. And just actually, just this one sequence. How did you get into Whole Foods? Yeah. So. Um... I mean, that was all networking. So I walked the floor at Expo West with, we had just gotten our blue bags, like you said. I think especially with our product being something that's so new to the US, that initial year of farmer's market feedback was really important just to talk to consumers on like, what, what do you even like about this? How do you use it and all of that? So we get our blue bags. I go walk the floor at Expo West 2019 and a friend of a friend is a drink buyer at Whole Foods Global. Uh, he agrees to have like a 20 minute chat with me. He's probably like, you know, it's like a charity chat. Um, but he was great. Ends up dropping our products on the desk of the Whole Foods Global breakfast buyer, which I believe is how it eventually made its way to the Midwest. Of course, we went through the category review process 
um, you know, all the paperwork, but it's pretty difficult to get regional meetings with the buyers. So we got one, but I think that was just due to totally weaseling my way in. I think that entrepreneurs got to cr get creative with the networking is a good way to do it. I think <laughs> if you're not from the industry. That's, that's yeah. a wonderful comment for everybody who always has that question about how do you get it to next steps? Again, this is the brick by brick model. I talk about it often. I'm a big fan of it. You can do um, you know, you can do this sort of hand-to-hand -hand stuff at farmer's market. Then you go into a couple of your local cafes, maybe small independent grocery stores in your neighborhood. We all have them. Uh, shout out Scotty's um, <laughs> Rainwood Market. Um, we all have them. And then you can work through networking and asking and getting feedback and touching and feeling and all that good stuff. It's, it's so, so important. You do have to be out there. You do have to connect. And you just don't know that person may know another person and, and so on. And then all of a sudden your product is dropped on somebody's desk, you have a follow-up meeting and then the magic happens. I call it all the time, luck, timing, and your product, uh, boom, bang. Anyway, I hope that's a, a, a good lesson on that one. So let's move ahead if you don't mind. Is there a direct to consumer play with this? Uh, if so, what does that look like? Yeah, so actually a big part of our business and even this year, it's about 50% of our revenue is our online, our website and then lovelowbucks.com and then Amazon, about split between that on the e-commerce play. But yeah, that's my background is digital marketing, web design, graphic design. So before we even launched at our first fitness festival, I was like, we got to have a sick website that's like, you know on par with brands that have been in the industry for five plus years and I haven't even sold one bag and I'm like, but we have to have a perfect website. Um, so that's always been, that's actually something I'm working on this afternoon is uh, better marketing funnels and user experience on leading to, you know, larger carts than, you know, we've been getting. So you, you need to have a sick website folks. Sick. That's S I C get with it. Okay. Okay. My kid's using that word too, okay? Sick. Um, <laughs> that is true. Uh, and, you know, again, I, I don't, you know, I, I talk about this. Um, there's the Shopify's of the world. It's, it's easy to play there. Um, although you have the background, which is just such a value add, just aesthetically and everything else. You know, again, there's platforms now you can drop and play. You, you, you could, you'll be amazed at what you can build. You know, get somebody with some graphic design, you know, skills, yeah. but really you can build something sick uh, on your own if you if you really put it together. Um, um, I, I want to say also the piece at the end, you're talking about funnels and the like, direct to consumer has a play that you need to understand. It's not throw it up on Facebook and add and all of a sudden you got hundred orders. That's not how it works unless you have some anomaly. Um, there is a strategy behind it. Get with the folks that understand that. You're going to save yourself a lot of time, energy, and moolah. Okay? You, yeah. Anyway. Uh, Emily, um, let's get into what does the business look like now? It's November. I, it's like, I'm crazy. November 2020. What does the business look like? How many people on the team? And, and what does the distribution look like? Yeah, so we are actually getting ready to launch um, our second product line into Whole Foods. Um, I'll say it here. But uh, yeah, so we're expanding distribution with that product line and you and a fine Kehi 
Uh, I'm actually fundraising now with the hopes of bringing on our first corporate team member. Uh, I have a couple team members in production and helping um, community management and stuff like that part time, but we're looking. So as of now, like I'm the only full time employee, uh, the only corporate employee. So uh, finally at the point where we're raising a seed round and looking to make that expansion. So that's pretty exciting. And we're really focused on uh, solidifying our retail presence in the Midwest, uh, where we're our home base and we have distribution and then also expanding to California where I actually just moved to San Diego a week ago. So I'm no wall decorations. Um, so yeah, then California is kind of like the new frontier that I think will really resonate with such a, you know, new superfood product. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome to California. Uh, you picked a good city. San Diego is one of my favorites. You know, I'm up here in the Bay area. Um, yeah. Shout out, Callie. Shout out. Um, um, the As far as you're correct and where you're actually at in Southern California, there's some amazing, amazing re regional partners down there, um, Air One and the Lazy Acres, that your product fits very, very well in. Um, so you have it together. Again, last piece, I'm, I'm just recapping it. You know, she's doing it independently because you can do that. She's smart. She understands it. She has a reason for why she's doing it. You put a little bit of that together with some fire uh, and, and just, just you know, your, your ability to just want to get things done. You can make magic happen. Uh, and then, yes, you will need some cash. Um, so that's why the seed round is going to be uh, very, very much needed. Um, to, to much success, I'm going to throw your info there for sure. We are rolling it over to Nikki Hardick, NAC PR. I know she works with you, so that's why this is such a full circle, beautiful moment. Uh, give us the platform, Nikki. Yeah, so NAC PR, we specialize in media relations um, for emerging food and beverage brands. So it's all about storytelling and securing press coverage that helps brands accomplish their goals, like Lovex. We all need a little extra PR, right? Oh, yeah. Get us out there, showcase us, tell us this, tell the story to as many people as you possibly can. Uh, we all need it. Emily needs it. Mark needs it. Yes, I just did third person. Sometimes things like that happen. Um, <laughs> very cool. I throw your stuff up there. Check out Nikki at NAC PR. Check out Emily's Superfoods at Lil Bucks. <laughs> she just moved to Cali. Don't forget that. San Diego. Woo woo. Uh, <laughs> pleasure having you both on. Thanks. Mark. Yeah. Thank Peace. you so much. This is fun.